Good morning. Gets more complicated as the uh, years go by to get set up here. It's uh, wonderful to see all of you this morning. Uh, we have kind of a, uh, a mixed group. Uh, some of you have been sitting die session uh, from the very beginning. Uh, some of you arrived a few days ago. Uh, and it's pretty safe to say that uh, the experience of each of you uh, up here has been different. And yet, uh, thank you. Is that better? Um, so, as I was saying, the experience of each of you has been different. And yet, within the uh, metaphor used by our study text, all of it has been experienced within the radiant light. Uh, each one of you is the radiant light. And what each of you experiences, does, says, feels, takes place within the radiant light. So we are radiant light within radiant light. Uh, a number of people have said uh, how wonderful it is to be in person, and uh, certainly it is. It feels great to be back at an in-person session. Uh, but one thing I always uh, appreciated about Zoom, uh, which I usually do on an iPad, uh, is it's very clear uh, in a certain way. Each of those squares, you see a person's face, and you can see that they are Buddha, that they are radiant light. And yet all those squares are in, within the larger square of the iPad. So as a whole, they are radiant light. Of course, uh, the light of an iPad is uh, LED light, which Dogen would certainly tell us is not Buddha light. <laughs> uh, so how do we see the radiant light, which is each one of us? How do we see the radiant light in which we are all within? And the simple answer is, well, we don't. <laughs> we don't see it. Uh, the reason if, if we were able to see it, it, would, uh, it wouldn't be the radiant light. It would be like, uh, you know, it's pretty safe to say that if you're seeing a pair of eyeballs, they're not your eyeballs. Uh, the radiant light is too close. Uh, the fish doesn't go, wow, I'm swimming in water, I'm swimming in water. 
this beautiful experience. Well, sometimes it's a beautiful experience for the fish, and sometimes it's a horrendously scary experience if a bigger fish comes along. But both of those fish are within the radiant light, which is the water, and each of them is an individual expression of the radiant light, which is in the water. So because it's not possible to see the truth the way you can see LED light uh, from our computer screens, uh, we have to walk in the darkness. Uh, we have to walk having faith in the Dharma, which is our self. We have to take one step not knowing, and then another step not knowing, and then another step not knowing. Uh, and next thing we know, I don't know how, but somehow I ended up sitting on my bench here uh, with a functioning microphone. Uh, now that might change at any moment, but so far, so good. I think uh, many of us were uh, struck by Gesho's uh, story uh, about uh, Leonard Cohen. Uh, how uh, he had something perfectly reasonable to say about why he left the practice of Zen. Well, I was full of suffering, full of inner distress, and I practiced hard, and I found out I was still full of suffering and full of inner distress, so it wasn't working for me. And so I left. And this is a gift that we human beings have. It's the gift of being able to do cost-benefit analysis. Uh, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, uh, it keeps us from doing lots of stupid, silly uh, things. Uh, and it's, of course, it's a it's premised on the notion of the individual self that on this little person. Uh, it's a really ridiculous notion when you think of it, but we all believe it. I'm a little person called Rio who lives inside this thing called Rio's body. Uh, you know, if you do an MRI or an X-ray, you're not going to see any little person called Rio, you're going to see goop, but so, so, uh, but I believe in it a lot of the time, nothing wrong with that, because in order to get through his life in the human realm, Rio has to do a lot of cost-benefit analysis, and uh, woe befall him if he doesn't do it. Uh, and cost-benefit analysis is nothing other than the radiant light. Uh, that Dogen and Cohen A.J. was pointing to. 
the problem is uh, we tend to go overboard in believing our own crap. Uh, you know, if I become too invested uh, in believing in this uh, little sprite called Rio who lives inside Rio's body, uh, the world can start feeling like a very lonely place. I can feel very separate from the world of nature, uh, from other people, and my life becomes just an, you know, an exercise in cost-benefit analysis. Well, what's in it for Rio? Uh, you know, is, uh, is coming to Session going to do Rio any good? What's he going to get out of it? Uh, what's he going to get out of doing all these elaborate forms and getting up at 4.30 in the morning? Well, he better get something really good <laughs> out of it. Uh, or what's the point? Uh, you know, and that might be a uh, very good attitude when you're trying to figure out uh, what the best car to buy is. But staying in that uh, perspective cuts you off from your true self. cuts you off from all beings. I mean, really think about it. If Let's say, uh, you know, before I was born, um, uh, someone came, you know, to me pre-womb and said, would you like to live a human life? Uh, I go, maybe. Uh, what do you get out of it? Uh, well, there'll be a lot of good things. Uh, there'll, be a, there'll be love and joy and dancing and the Beatles. and It's going to be a lot of great stuff. But, you know, actually, uh, uh, the gist of it is, is uh, the people and the things you love are going to grow old and they're going to disappear. You're going to grow old. You're going to get sick. You're going to be in pain. You're going to suffer a lot. And then uh, you're going to die, and everything you've ever done is going to be forgotten in maybe 50 years. Hmm, let me do a cost-benefit analysis <laughs> on that. I don't think so. No. So there's something about human life that transcends the cost-benefit analysis. Uh, that we do when we're talking about our small self. Um, and basically, uh, the answer to the question is, uh, well, it's not my life. This is the life of the Buddha. This is the life of the Buddha. This world that I was born into is the body of the Buddha. These people who I encounter every day and build 
my world with. They also are Buddhas uh, living as the life of the Buddha. That's uh, a big deal. Uh, it can be hard to realize, uh, but easier if we come to a practice like session where everything about the schedule is tailored uh, not to be in Rio's, not to be to Rio's preferences. Uh, if Rio is going to uh, really practice session, he has to throw himself into it. And as our Shuso said at the beginning, the best way to relate to session is not to expect any prize package of enlightenment and uh, have your small self uh, going, well, am I, am I getting there? Am I getting there? But just to throw yourself headlong into the luminous body of reality and work, work on the body of reality as the body of reality works on you. Be Buddha working alongside other Buddhas. So this is a very uh, different perspective than the perspective of the alienated small self. Shinryu uh, talked about what that feels like. We all know what that feels like. Uh, here's poor little vulnerable me in this small dark place and it's all meaningless anyway. Uh, I'm disconnected, I'm watching it all. But it's just a passing parade and a pretty meaningless one. That. The other perspective is one of intimacy. Uh, it's the perspective that uh, Dogen uh, points to when he quotes Chang Sha at the beginning of Komio. The entire world in the ten directions is a monk's single eye. Now, you know, they were very monk-centered in those days. Just for monk, you can just say, you're the entire world in the ten directions is your single eye. Nothing is hidden. Uh, no, I can't see what's going on in China, but then I'm not in China. But I can see these faces in this room. I can see the grass outside the chapel door. It's no effort at, for me at all to see the entire world in the ten directions. Buddha's world, this world, what's it looking like to you at the moment? And then Changsha goes on to say the entire world in the ten directions 
is the everyday speech of a monk. The sounds of the world and the sounds that you make are the sounds of Buddha. I think we can hear that very clearly when we're uh, doing our chanting services. I'm bringing the voice of Buddha into the room and I'm receiving the voice of Buddha. Each voice, each syllable is radiant light. And each voice, each syllable is within the radiant light. When each voice and each syllable is the radiant light, then the truth is this sound, this world, just as it is. When it's within the radiant light from that perspective, there are no separate people, separate sounds. There's not even a Buddha on each cushion. It's all within the radiant light, all within the darkness of radiant light. Radiant light is very dark, you know. Uh, Hakun Zenji tells us that. He says, uh, with practice, the whole world, just as it is, becomes illuminated. It appears in the monk's single eyeball. But he says, strange to say, this illumination is black as lacquer. I mean, it's not literally black more than it is any other color. Uh, it simply can't be seen any more than I can see the back of my own head. I can turn my head. <laughs> I don't doubt that it's there. And it works uh, pretty well, at least up to this point. Uh, I can turn it in any direction I choose within limits. But can I see the back of my head? No, I'm not going to. And finally, uh, Changsha says, uh, every person in the ten directions is the radiant light of the self. This is an intimate perspective. This is not a perspective that is the opposite of alienation. It's a perspective uh, that Dogen Zenji in another work very uh, clearly set forth for us, you know, in Radiant Light, that fascicle, he talks a little about eyeballs, single eyes, uh, this is an eyeball, uh, and so on. In uh, Notes to the Cook, which, like radiant light, is really, in my view, uh, an essay 
uh, or a talk designed to open our hearts to our essential intimacy with all things and all beings. He tells the cook, treat your ladles and utensils and tools of a cook, treat them, the pots and pans, as if they were your own eyeballs. As if they were your own eyeballs. And because uh, all the things of the world are radiant light within radiant light, he says, don't privilege fancy food over ordinary food. Uh, an ordinary green can nourish the life of the Buddha just as well as something fancier. Uh, appreciate all the nourishment that comes through your kitchen and do your level best to help it manifest its essential goodness. Likewise, with people, don't distinguish the smart from the foolish, uh, the beautiful from the not so beautiful, the old from the young and all of that. Realize that each of them is the manifestation of Buddha and work to endeavor to encourage them in their manifestation of Buddha. This is a very different view than uh, what's in it for me. It's a very different view than oh yeah, I got some really good ingredients here so I can uh, make a really good uh, dinner here and get a pat on the back from the abbot. Uh, no. Just wholehearted effort. Your wholehearted effort being radiant light within the radiant light of the kitchen. Many ways, I think that uh, what religious practice is about, what spiritual practice is about, is bringing us from a position of alienation, uh, from being the inhabitants of a small, uh, dark, uh, world that's plastered with uh, the wall where the walls are plastered with images that reflect our own tastes back to us in an airless room of the ego and to encourage us to open the door not into any uh, heaven or airy fairyland but open the door into the heaven that we are inhabiting here as Buddhas in an immaculate Buddha land. Uh, 
the world of clouds and sky, mothers, fathers, uncles, heroes and villains, sages and clowns. Nothing is left out. Our world is complete. Our life is complete. Complete within the radiant light. Intimacy is simply being willing to take a step in the darkness of the radiant light to do the next thing and the next thing and the next thing is cost-benefit analysis left out of this? No. But how can cost-benefit analysis tell you what your true work in the world is? How can it tell you whom to love? Whom to have children with? How can it tell you any of the things that go to the heart of living a rich, productive, generous human life in this world? We need so much more than the narrow calculation of pluses and minuses. We need to know who we are. We need to know that others are not separate from ourself. That we're living the life of Buddha with all beings. And any time we step back from that truth, our world becomes small, kind of boring, and darkens. And we cause suffering to ourselves and others almost inevitably. So to me, uh, Dogen's writings, such as they appear in Notes to the Cook and uh, in Comeo, they're invitations to intimacy. And uh, he ends uh, Comeo with such an invitation, uh, uh, not with his own words, uh, but with a quote from uh, Di Zong, and uh, Di Zong was, uh, you know, uh, the intimacy czar. He's uh, uh, very famous uh, for the saying, not knowing is most intimate. Uh, Enkyo Roshi uh, used it for the title of her book, uh, not knowing is most intimate. Uh, Fayan asked him, uh, he asked Fayan, what's the point of your pilgrimage from temple to temple? Fayan said, I don't know. Dizong said, not knowing is most intimate. But Dogen takes another quote from uh, Dizong. It might be the simplest sentence <laughs> to be found in Dogen anywhere. Uh, uh, you know, the shortest sentence in the Bible uh, is Jesus wept, I'm told. Uh, beautiful. 
And almost equally beautiful is this very short sentence that Dogen quotes from De Zong. The cook enters the kitchen. That's how he ends this. The cook enters the kitchen. Shuso, Bokushu, Kim, Miyagetsu, and all of us, we enter session. We enter the halls of Wisdom House. Now we're entering uh, the last couple of days of session. Normally, uh, uh, it's customary to say, don't waste a single minute. You've got two days left. <laughs> well, you don't have two days. You only have this moment. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Time's up. <laughs> so rather than uh, saying that, can you appreciate the radiant light of whatever your experience of this session is? joy, moments of peace, moments of insight, heartbreak, disgust, aversion. Can you experience all of it in an attitude of appreciation, not uh, appreciation in the sense of, oh, this is wonderful, my legs are hurting, like, god damn. <laughs> no, but just openness. This openness is itself the radiant light and the means by which we appreciate the radiant light of every moment in our lives and every person we come across, how we transcend our own tastes and opinions and lead the generous and open-hearted life of Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. The cook enters the kitchen. Dokken says, the sentence penetrates far beyond the realm of the past seven Buddhas. Penetrates, say I, far beyond the realm of Maitreya Buddha. It penetrates throughout space and time. So in the next couple of days, all of us are cooks. All of us have the opportunity to enter the kitchen and create something tasty for ourselves, for our fellow Sangha members, and ultimately to manifest the radiant light of who we are and the whole world in the 10 directions. <laughs>